For those of you that were here for Brother Josh Ortiz's outstanding Wednesday night summer series sermon on John chapters 5 and 6, I could not believe how beautifully he set me up for tonight's lesson. He, he really did. It was like a, a beautiful prelude. The title of tonight's lesson is this, Scripturally Speaking, Why Do People Leave? The Lord and His Church. Scripturally speaking, why do people leave the Lord and His Church? I say scripturally speaking because we in the churches of Christ understand and accept that we must take God's Word over man's Word every time on everything if we ever hope to get to heaven. It doesn't matter who people are. doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter if we are talking about acceptable worship, the way in which one is saved, or the reason they walked away. We must let God be true and every man a liar, Romans 3, 4, no matter what. This is a matter of eternal life and death. To take God's word and the scripture's word over man's word for everything. I say leave the Lord and his church in that title because the two are inseparable. Jesus lives within his faithful Church. Jesus is inseparable from his faithful church. Romans 8, 9 through 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 28, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, 1 John 3, 24, 4, 13, and others. Jesus Christ is inseparable from his church. He is the head of the body, the church. Ephesians 1, 22 and 3, Colossians 1, 18 and 24. One therefore cannot walk away from the Lord's church, of whom he is the head of that body, and somehow take the head with him. So, to walk away from his church is to abandon both Jesus Christ and all hope of eternal life. So again, I ask the question that serves as the title of tonight's sermon. Scripturally speaking, why do people leave the Lord and His church? Now, I'm not talking about answering that with all of the man-made reasonings that they have to come up with when they walk away from the church with all the man-made reasonings they come up with to tell themselves and everybody else in order to try to justify in their own minds why they left the Lord and His church and their eternal life behind. I'm not talking about all excuses they come up with. I'm not talking about all their man-made reasonings that never occur in the scriptures, that are every inch as foreign to the scriptures as the biblically non-existent sinner's prayer for salvation, which, by the way, we reject the sinner's prayer, right? 
it's not scriptural. We say, we're not going by that. It ain't scriptural. We don't see anybody saved by saying a prayer. Most of the excuses that people come up with for walking away from the Lord and His church are not scriptural either. They're not seen anywhere in the scripture. They're just as anti-scriptural as the sinner's prayer. The many man-made and foreign to scripture excuses given for walking away from the church of our Lord and the Lord of His church would include but not be limited to such statements as these. Well, they hurt my feelings. They weren't very friendly. They're all hypocrites. They're too judgmental. Or, well, I don't like that person. I don't like him. I don't like her. I don't like the preacher. I don't like the elders. I don't like the Bible class teacher. All of those excuses plus anything and everything else they need to come up with in their own minds in order to justify their turning and running away from the Lord and His church that are not scriptural. Tell me, afterwards, not now, biblically, biblically speaking, where exactly, book, chapter, and verse, because we're a book, chapter, and verse people, where exactly, book, chapter, and verse, do you see any of those five excuses I just mentioned, or any of the others that you may have heard people make who have walked away from the Lord and His church, where do you find those excuses in the Bible? Where in the scriptures, reason this out for yourself, understand, I'm not, you know, I'm not up here just blowing smoke. Where in the scriptures do you see a book, chapter, and a verse example of people leaving the Lord and his disciples due to getting their feelings hurt? The church not being friendly enough? Or the church being full of hypocrites or too judgmental? Or they're not liking anybody there, including the preacher. Where do you see those examples in Scripture of why people walked away? Where? They're not there. Those are not scriptural. Those statements are as foreign to Scripture as the sinner's prayer. We reject it because it is not there and we must reject those excuses for the same exact reason. And I'm going to tell you why. This is because, scripturally speaking... These are not the real reason they left it all. Not according to the Bible, because those aren't in there. According to the Bible, that is not the reason that they left. Those are simply some of their attempts to escape having to deal with the real reason why they left and seeking to find some sort of self-justification for walking away from their salvation. Scripturally speaking, there is one, just one. Scripturally speaking, there is but one and one and only one reason why people wind up leaving the Lord and His church, which we shall see repeatedly proven in tonight's lesson, book, chapter, and verse. This is all very easily and scripturally proven with a simple word study. All we got to do if we want to know this is we have to look at the word away. 
Do a word search of the word away. Tonight we're going to look at just a few of the book, chapter, and verse examples of those who walked away, turned away, went away, ran away, fell away, drifted away, or were led away. And we'll see how easy it is to discover that one and only biblically defined reason why people left the Lord, His disciples, and any and all hope they had of eternal life. I'm not going to go to each one of these. If you're taking notes, that's good. If not, let me know and we'll get you a copy of tonight's lesson. But a lot of these are just going to skip over because you know the stories. In Matthew's account of the parable of the sower, in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 19, we see that if one hears the word, but is not willing to put in the time and effort to truly learn what that word means and to let it sink deeply down into their hearts so they can obey it, guess what happens to that word? Satan comes right along and snatches that instruction away. Like a bird will eat seed that is left on top of the ground. In Luke's account of that same parable, the parable of the sower, in Luke chapter 8 and verse 13, Luke adds this. He says that the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. Is the scripturally given and therefore the real reason these folks fell away in Luke 8 and verse 13 and Matthew 13 and verse 19? Is the scripturally given and therefore real reason these folks fall away from the Lord due to hurt feelings? Is that what the text says? No. Is it because the people in the church are unfriendly? Is that what it says? Is it because they think everybody else is a hypocrite? Is that what it says? Is it because they don't like this brother or sister or that brother or sister? So they felt, is that what the text says? No. No. Is it because they didn't like Jesus, their preacher at that point in time? Is that why they fell away? No. None of the above. None of those excuses are even remotely mentioned in the scriptures as the real reason they fell away. Here's why they fell away. They fell away because they refused to take the time and make the effort to take the Word of God deep into their hearts when they had the chance. That's what the Scripture says is the reason they fell away. That is the first part of the one and only reason why people ever leave the Lord and His faithful church. That is the first part. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22, and in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, we have the story of the rich young ruler. Matthew 19, 16 through 22, Mark 10, 17 through 22. Story of the rich young ruler. We know the story well. Both Matthew and Mark record that the rich young ruler went away. Another example of the word away. He went away. Now, why? He understood what Jesus said. It wasn't a problem if he didn't get it. 
But it was because he was unwilling to give up the one thing which Jesus required of him in order, order to follow Jesus home to heaven. That's why the rich young ruler fell away or went away, went away. And that completes the rest of this one and only reason, scripturally speaking, book, chapter, and verse, why people turn and walk and go and run and fall and drift and are led away. Why they leave the Lord, His faithful church, His total word and their only hope of heaven behind. Here is the entire reason. They don't want to take the time and make the effort to understand and take God's word deep in their hearts and then to submit to his authority by obeying and living it every day, no matter what. That's why people leave the Lord and his church. Scripturally speaking, that is the only reason. And every single scriptural example of anyone, get this, don't just think, Doug's just being Doug. Every scriptural example of anyone ever walking away from the Lord and his faithful disciples, you will be able to go right back to that one definition and say, that's exactly what happened. Let's prove it. Turn to me in your Bibles tonight to John 6. John chapter 6. As I said, Josh set me up really well with his study of John 5 and 6. John chapter 6, beginning at verse 59. Let's see how well our definition works of why they walked away from the Lord and his disciples. John 6, verse 59. Jesus had taught some things they didn't understand. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard it, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Are there hard sayings in the Bible? Sure, there's some hard things to understand. Yes, there are. But those who want to know the Lord will take the time to learn them. Is that right? Continuing. When Jesus, verse 61, knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? You know, it's interesting. Jesus didn't say, does that offend you? I'm really sorry. Let me change God's word. That's not what he said. He says then something very important in verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. This hard teaching, he said, this is life. There is life in these words. Nothing else that you're going to pursue, physically speaking, of the flesh. Nothing's going to matter. The only thing's going to matter is the life that's in these words. You've got to understand how important this is. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe, and who would betray him. And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Why did those disciples that walked away from Jesus walk away from Jesus and his disciples? Why did they do that? Was it because of a personality conflict? Is that what the verses say that we just read? Was that the reason? No. Was it because they got their feelings hurt? Is that what the scripture says? No. 
Was it because Jesus' disciples were hypocritical, judgmental, or unfriendly? Is that what it says? No. Was it because they couldn't stand their preacher, Jesus? No. Why did they walk away? Because they did not want to take the time and make the effort to understand and take this hard teaching deep into their hearts and then submit to God's authority by obeying and living it every day no matter what. That's why they walked away. I wonder, what might they have told their friends and family? You know, if they've been following Jesus for a while, I wonder what they told their friends and family when they got back to them. Now, do you suppose they come right out and said, listen, I know he has the words of eternal life, I know he's the way to heaven, and I'd really prefer to go to hell. Do you suppose that's what they said? I don't think so. I don't know, because the scripture doesn't tell us. But probably they come up with some sort of self-justifying excuse, such as, well, you know, Peter's kind of a loud mouth, and he got on my nerves. Or, well, you know that Jesus guy, he's a, little, he's a little flaky. I mean, he was saying things. He wanted us to become cannibals. Do you believe that? They had to say something to justify themselves. That's what people do. But that's not what the scripture lets them get away with. The reason they were left is because they did not want to take the time and make the effort to understand and take God's word deep into their hearts and then to submit to the authority of his word by obeying and living it every day no matter the cost. That's why they walked away. That's why the rich young ruler walked away. No matter the excuses they may have made to friends, that's why they walked. That's what the Bible shows us. In Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 10 why were they turning away so soon from God in verse 6? And we all pretty well know that passage, Galatians 1, 6-10. Why were they turning away so soon from God in verse 6? Does the scripture imply or indicate that it was because they didn't like Paul or somebody in the congregation? Is that what the scripture says? No. Was it because the church in Galatia was just too judgmental? It's right there in Galatians 1. It says the church was too judgmental. No, it doesn't. Does it say, well, the church in Galatia was full of hypocrites? No, it, it doesn't say that. If you study Galatians 1, 6 or 10, you'll find that the reason these people were turning away from God and the original gospel was simply this. Because they apparently had not taken the time and made the effort to understand and take God's gospel deep into their hearts and then to submit to his authority by obeying, living, and defending that gospel every day no matter what. That's why they're having a problem. They're accepting just any gospel that come along. It always comes back to the same thing. That's why they were turning away from God. Notice how that's proven to be true once again in Hebrews chapter 2. Please turn to Hebrews chapter 2. One verse. Hebrews 2 and verse 1. Very carefully note. The writer of Hebrews says to these first century Christians who seem to be on the brink of just giving up and walking away. He says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. That makes the very point I've been making. He said, you ain't listening. 
You ain't taking it in your heart. You ain't living it. You got to pay more careful attention so you don't drift away. Notice the word away. Drift away. What does it mean to drift away? You might think of a boat. You might think of a boat that's on the shore, a little rowboat or a canoe or something's pulled up on the shore and a few of the higher waves come up and, you know, just picture yourself asleep. <laughs> Not, don't, you know, go to sleep, but just picture yourself asleep and you're in this little canoe or boat and just kind of stretched out and you're relaxed. The waves feel good and you're kind of sitting there and it's pulled up to the shore. You've been fishing or whatever and you just, waves kind of rocking, you know, and just kind of sitting there and you kind of drift off and the boat begins to work its way out from shore. Now you don't know this because you're oblivious to it. And you, you're getting out, you're getting out, you're getting out deeper and deeper and deeper and for long, kind of wake up and you look around and like, it's a half a mile to shore and I got no paddle. You've drifted. You haven't known what's going on. Brethren, not everybody that leaves the Lord's church falls away, runs away, walks away. Some drift away. How does that happen? They're asleep to what's going on. They start in, they start missing a Bible study here or there. They've always come before, but there's something that comes up and they, and they start missing. And I'm not talking about legitimate things like they absolutely can't get out of bed or health reasons. I'm talking about, well, they just start missing a little bit. It's only a service. It's only a Bible class. It's only singing. It's not, it's not anything important. I mean, come on, it's not worship service on Sunday. And so they miss one or two, and having missed one or two for this reason or that reason, they start missing three and four and five, because after all, God hasn't nuked us for missing one or two. What's another? I mean, come on, let's not worry about this. It's just Bible class. I mean, really, come on. Then they start missing other services of the church and events of the church, and they used to be there all the time, and they're just not there anymore, and they just drift a little further, and, and before long, Sunday night disappears, and they're not in church on Sunday nights anywhere. And before long, it's just Sunday morning. Sunday morning's the last thing to go. By the time they wake up to their plight, they've drifted away. And what does he say you've got to do? You've got to pay more attention to the things that you have heard. How do you avoid drifting away? You avoid drifting away by being more diligent to take the time and make the effort to understand and take God's word deep into your heart and then to submit to it by obeying and living it every single day no matter what. That's how you avoid drifting away. Notice the word away. Listen, for those of you that are taking notes, get ready. Whether it is the case of people who go away, John 6, 66 and 7, and James 1, 21 and 25, or the case of people who fall away, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, or those who turn away, Hebrews 12, 25 to 29. Or those who are drawn away, James 1, 12 through 16. Or those who are led away, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 and 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. Or those who turn their ears away, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. Whether it's any of those, the scriptural reason for their so doing is always the same in every one of those texts I just mentioned. It's always the same reason. It can be summarized the same way. And it is never in those texts because of the people in the church. Ever. 
It is not because of the people in the church. It is not because of the elders, the preacher, the Bible class teachers, the ladies class. It's never because of the people in any of those texts. And I'll tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because if we're truly listening to God's word, if we're truly taking God's word into our hearts, has God told us how to deal with other people in the church? Has he told us how to make those relationships work? Has God given us instruction on how to do that? So if we're truly taking God's word into our heart, we can deal with people. But if we're not taking God's word, if we're not taking the time to understand and making the effort to take it deep into our hearts and submit to his authority by obeying and living it every day no matter what, then we can always blame the people, but that ain't scriptural. Instead, the reason that people in every one of those circumstances I just mentioned, and I got more verses listed than those I gave you, the reason is always the same. Not taking the time, making the effort to understand, take God's word into their hearts, and then obeying it and living it every day no matter what. That's why every one of those people go away, fall away, turn away, drawn away, get away, turn their ears away, and are led away. You may have known or experienced or been aware of those situations wherein faithful congregations stood up for and taught the truth about such things as marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And couples who wanted to continue to live in disobedience to what the Word of God said left the church never to return. You may have known or experienced or been aware of those situations wherein faithful congregations stood up for and taught the truth about the consumption of alcohol or gambling and those who wanted to justify some level of indulgence in those sins for whatever reason left the church never came back except maybe on occasion when that particular Bible class teacher or preacher wasn't in the pulpit but the fact is, is that if it's a faithful congregation, all the Bible class teachers and all the preachers and teachers are going to be the same about gambling and alcohol. They're all reading out of the same book authored by the same God. You may have known or experienced or been aware of those situations where a faithful congregation stood up for and taught the truth about the fact that God will not listen to those who refuse to listen to and obey his word. And those who had denominational friends and neighbors and acquaintances, rather than seeking to convert them with that truth, those people will simply instead abandon the truth and the Lord and the church that teaches it. You may have known or experienced or been aware of those situations, wherein a faithful congregation stood up for and taught the truth about such things as ego, pride, and jealousy, and how those have absolutely no place amongst the Lord's church. And those who want to continue to wallow in those sins said, that's it, I ain't going back there because I can't stand the people. That's not the real reason, but that's what they'll say. Or finally, maybe it was something as simple as the scriptural necessity of baptism being insisted on for salvation. And those who grew up in a denomination or have denominational friends and families don't want to accept it. And so what do they do? Oh, that teaching's too hard. Rather than sitting down with their souls on the line and actually studying what the Bible says about baptism, they'll just, oh, that's, a, you know, those church Christ people. You know, I'm just, I, that's too hard. What, these people are ridiculous. They believe in water salvation. I'm going somewhere else where they don't teach that. That's what people do, right? But you see, 
problem's not with that teaching. The problem is not with the people. The problem's not all those other excuses that people give for doing those things. No matter what lies or lines they may have to come up with in order to try to justify their running away from their responsibility to repent and submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of those other self-justifying excuses are just that. There is one reason, and one reason only, why people will walk, run, flee away from a faithful congregation of the Lord's church one more time. This is it. That one reason is because they refuse to take the time and make the effort to understand and take God's word deep into their hearts and then submit to his authority by living it every day no matter the cost. That is the reason people leave. You want scriptural proof? Turn to John 10. John 10. Two verses. 27 and 28. Jesus said, My sheep, John 10, 27 and 8, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. The person who is willing to take the time and make the effort to understand and take God's word deep into their hearts and then submit to his authority by obeying and living it every day no matter what, cannot be pulled out of God's hand. Do you see that? It's right there in that two little verses. The only way a person can get snatched out of God's hand is when they just don't want to accept what he said and live it. Therefore, it is up to each and every child of the living God who wants to go to heaven to do precisely what those who turn and go and walk and run and fall and drift and are led and drawn away refuse to do. Tonight's closing passage is Hebrews 12. This is what we must do unlike those who go away. Hebrews 12. Therefore we also, since verse 1, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, just as we talked about this morning from Philippians 2. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You've not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin, and you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. There's going to be hard times in the church when you walk with God. But the only person who is going to fall away, walk away, drift away, run away, get led away, is the person who will not accept God's chastening and will not take the time to learn God's word and live it. They're the only ones. He 
says in verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. What son is there whom a father doesn't chasten? But if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, you're illegitimate. You're not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Should we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of our spirits and live? Verse 11. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it, to those who have taken the time to get in there, to learn it, to understand it, to accept it, and to say, you know what, I'm living for God. Look at the next few verses. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. In other words, don't get all bent out of shape. Straighten up. Dig in, learn what God said, and live it. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking careful lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Brethren, we cannot afford to sell our birthright into the family of God just because of some, because we're unwilling to get in there and dig into God's word, to learn it, to live it, to accept it, and to obey it every day. We cannot afford to sell our birthright. Nor can we allow anybody who refuses to take the time to learn God's word and live it to try to lay the blame on somebody else because they left the church. Whose fault is it if I leave the church? Mine. Whose fault is it if you lose your eternal soul? Don't you be thinking you're going to stand before God and say, Well, it's the preacher's fault. No, it didn't. It's yours. And if I lose mine, I can't stand up and say, Well, you know those people in Cleveland, there was a couple of them a little shady. You know, God, I mean, come on, cut me a break. No. If I lose my soul, that's my fault. You don't have the power to take my soul away from me. If I am living for God and I am learning His Word and I am devoted to it every day, you don't have the power to take my eternity away from me. Only I can surrender it. The Bible says we shall all give an account of ourselves to God. Romans 14, 12. Are you ready tonight if he should call on you to give an account of yourself? Tonight, if you have not been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins or you need the prayers of the church, please come to the front as we